is the start of it. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken the cup he, and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it for all of you, for it is the, my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's house. And they began to sing a hymn. Jesus, as I've been teaching all through Genesis, uh, you know what Jesus, Jesus has seen all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament. Without the New Testament, without Jesus, the whole Bible would fall apart. Jesus is taking the Old Testament Passover and he is converting it to the New Testament covenant, the New Testament communion. Passover was redemption from Egypt, but communion is redemption from your sin. Passover, or Passover looks back at Messiah's ministry to come, and communion looks back to his ministry that began. Passover then is a shadow of the things to come, but communion is the substance. It's the substance. The broken bread, as we read, is for Jesus' stripes. By his stripes we're healed. It's written in Isaiah 53. It's written also in 1 Peter 2.24. By the stripes of Jesus we were healed. By the stripes of Jesus we are healed. Oh, you better flip and run. By the stripes of Jesus we are healed. By the stripes of Jesus in the New Testament we were healed. It means you walk in healing, church. Jesus has took those stripes on his back that you might be healed. Does that mean we're going to not die someday? No. We're, we're, oh, it's appointed once for us to, to go home. But there's healing in the broken body of Christ Jesus. And, of course, the, the cup is, is um, the, the blood that was shed. And by his blood, you were redeemed from your sins. And so was I. That's why Jesus came. Matthew 10 tells us that he came to do the will of the Father. He takes away the old covenant and brings issues in the new covenant. The old covenant of death and the new testament of life in the blood of Jesus. Praise God. I was lost years and years ago. 44 plus years ago I was lost and God found me. And I hope everyone here was found by the Lord. If you're not, and those on the internet, just call out to him with your whole heart. Repent of your sins, and he will be glad to hear your prayer and call you a son or a daughter of God. So now we have a little clearer picture, I hope, of why the bread. This is done in remembrance of him. Did, as I say many times up here at communion time, do you think Jesus was saying just at dinner time? No. Us Americans like to eat 24-7, 365. That means you should remember him at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and all your snacks in between when you take a piece of bread.
So let's remember his broken body. He did it for you. He did it for you. He didn't have to. He was sinless. There was no sin in him, but our sin came upon him at the cross. By his stripes, we are healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And if you don't believe that, you won't be healed because you have to have faith. You have to have faith, whatever it is. Let's partake together and thank the Lord for your precious body that was broken for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. In a like manner also, he took the cup and he said, My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When we take a sip from this cup, we think of the blood that was shed that you and I might be saved. This isn't, this is a, a symbol. It's to do it in remembrance of the precious blood that was shed. You've got to remember, you can't forget. This is the this is a remembrance of when you drink from the cup, it's saying to God, I treasure the blood you shed for me. So let's partake together. Amen. Amen. Thank you. My notes are in the back. Somebody go grab them. It's on my chair in the back right there. Theron's got them. I forgot I was going to stay up here. But while we're waiting for my notes, I wanted to remind everybody that just tuned in online on podcast or whatever else we're on. Thank you, Theron. Um, I want to remind you that that um, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. You can go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org. And you can find out all about us. You can you can uh, see what we believe in. You can listen to messages from the past. You can even donate online. Um, also, remember, you can tune in next week at freedomchurchpb.org at, at 10 a.m. And uh, on Thursday night, 7.15. We're studying in Genesis. We're doing expositional studies right now in the book of Genesis and in the book of Matthew. That means we're going verse by verse and chapter by chapter, try to explain things and make things a little clearer for, for each of us. We did, we did um, chapter 5. It took us two, two lessons to do chapter 5. You know, we went through the Beatitudes, and then we went through, you know, but I, Jesus said that we, the, what, what does it say, is the, the supremacy of Christ's words. When he said, you thought it was this, but I say to you, you see the supremacy. Jesus is overriding, you know, what men think. He says, it isn't what, it isn't what you think it is, it's what I say. And he corrects them. And that's why the Jewish, Jews had a hard problem with Jesus. He was, he was coming against uh, a lot of their traditions. And we know that. Chapter 5 that we studied the last two weeks is about our inner attitudes. It's the, called the Beatitudes. Our inner attitudes, the Beatitudes, and what we, we learned a whole lot from that. It only went 13 verses. Then we finished up last week. 
chapter 6 now addresses the outward activities. Okay? Remember, chapter 5, inward attitudes, and now Jesus is going to talk about the outward activities. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, and I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version, okay? I'm going to read the, the um, first two verses. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking for about three to four chapters here. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Who then, who when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men? Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Jesus is saying here, when you give to the poor, when you do charitable deeds, when you give your alms, don't brag about it. Don't brag about it. Don't show an outward activity and brag how holy you are. And that's what, again, that's coming against the scribes and the Pharisees who loved high places and places of honor. Jesus is going to give instructions on giving and praying and fasting in this chapter, but we're not going to get to the fasting part. He's talking about hypocrisy here. The Hebrew word for hypocrisy is, is really close to what we call hypocrites. It's called hypocrites. H-Y instead of H-I. I-H-U, I'm sorry, instead of H-Y. What's a hypocrite? According to the Greek, it's a wearer of a mask. That's what a hypocrite is. You're putting on a, an act. So you're an actor. Not only that, back in these days, the, the actors used to have masks. You saw them. They hold up over their face. They have big frowns or, or big, big smiles or big frowns so that all the people in the far back of the arena can see the gestures of the face. It's important. So now, because of that, we get what's called two-faced. And that's what they are. They are two-faced. Verses 3 and 4, But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees in, in secret will reward you. Jesus is calling them hypocrites here because they did not give out, give to the poor out of concern. They were doing it for their own glory, their own self, to make themselves feel good. You're supposed to give secretly. I can tell you, I know a lot of people that make sure that they don't give secretly. You give $100 to the church, don't go bragging about it. Just go home. Let God reward you. might be 100 years from now or 50 years from now, but God will reward you. He does not forget. He does not forget. He's saying, give so secretly that your left hand doesn't have any idea what this hand is doing. So that means your neighbor doesn't need to know what you're, you're doing. Or even your church pastor don't even know, have to know what you're doing. 
he's talking about, remember I said, this is outward, acti outward activities. The, the purity of your motives is what determines the quality of your actions. The purity of your motives is what determines the quality of your actions. You want quality in action? Let me tell you what. God does not want quantity. He wants quality. He don't care how much money you give. He just wants you to give to the poor out of a good and pure heart. It's your choice. In other words, church, Christian, believer, you can get the admiration of men and, and sound the trumpet, or you can get God's approval. Not publishing your good deeds. Now, I was reading a couple commentaries over the, over the week to find out, don't blow a trumpet? I thought, like, well, that's an exaggeration. But then I, I checked into it, and it, actually the, the Pharisees and scribes used to wear these little trumpets on their, on their garments. And when they were about to give to the poor, they would blow that trumpet, and everybody, all the poor would come flocking to them so that they could get a handout from them. And they weren't doing that out of compassion. They were doing it out of glory. Oh, there's... There's a rabbi such and such over there. He's blowing the trumpet. It's time to give. Oh, thank you, rabbi. No, it's thank you, Lord. The Lord's giving it. I don't care how much money you gave to the churches or churches over the year. You know, God's looking for quality when you give, not quantity. Listen, he owns this cattle on a thousand hills. You know that. He owns the hills too. He doesn't need your money. But it will slow things down if the church right now, because of the, the uh, indignation that's going through the world, it's going to slow down missions. It's going to slow down the work of the ministry because, unfortunately, we need finances. Churches and missionaries need finances to get out there. So you still need to give, but don't, don't blow a trumpet. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And notice also in this passage so far that Jesus didn't say, if you give, he said, when you give. When, in other words, it's required to give to the poor. God expects us to help others. Again, it's not quantity, it's quality. Some of these millionaires or billionaires or trillionaires in the world, you see them advertised on TV. Well, well, this corporation gave $10 million to such and such a place. And meanwhile, that, that, that billionaire or trillionaire is like you giving a dime out of your pocket. Because he gave $42 million, but he's a trillionaire. It's not quantity, it's quality of your gifts. Verse 5 and 6. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the streets so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, again, look at, not if you pray, when you pray, okay? Go into their inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus is saying, when you pray, you don't need to brag to everybody that, hey, I prayed for you last week, and blah, 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 blah. 
He says, pray secretly. That means nobody knows but you. Don't be like the hypocrites, he said. Wear of a mask. You're two-faced. You're an actor. But go to your inner room. That means make a place to go to. The New American Standard says inner room. The King James says go into your closet. The New King James says your room. Go into your room. Go into your bedroom and pray. You don't have to make a prayer closet. Just make some time for prayer, wherever it may be. A place of seclusion and privacy is probably best. Not on the street corners and standing up so that everybody can see that you're praying. You're holier than thou. Jesus came against the scribes and Pharisees and the, the lawyers of the law because he came against that. And they wanted to kill him, and they finally did, not because he sinned, but because he came against their traditions. He never sinned. He even told them many times, several times, which of you convicts me of sin? They couldn't do it. They can convict him of breaking their transition or traditions. The Pharisees would pray three times a day. They would pray at the third hour, the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. So that's 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. And then make sure that it was well known. Some people did that in the Bible. Daniel used to do that. He used to open a window. But he'd make a spectacle out of himself standing in the street corner, even though they knew he was praying. I don't believe he directly told them or had any intention that they were, that he wanted their glory. I'm sure he didn't. God says two times in Psalm 43 and 48, I believe it is, he says, I'll give my glory to nobody. Nobody deserves glory except the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father for sending Christ. He said, shut the doors. That's like saying, don't let your left hand do what your right hand, know what your right hand is doing. Shut the door. Nobody knows. Keep quiet. Pray in secret. Shut the door. No one sees. No one hears but God. No outward show. In other words, don't be an actor. Don't be two-faced believers. Verses 7. When you are praying, do, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Remember I said... God's not looking for quantity. He's looking for quality. He's saying right here, if you say a prayer in repetition, meaningless repetition, it's, it's not quality. It's quantity. And you think you'll be heard because you said a, a prayer for 25 times. No, it went in this ear, out that ear, and never touched your heart. But You know, he, Jesus is saying this right before he's going to teach people how to pray. Don't pray with meaningless repetitions. Does that mean that you, you ask God to bring healing to you and you never go to him again and say, you know, to heal him? No, because other scriptures, you remember I always told you, you interpret scripture by scripture. Other scriptures say, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Why did Elijah pray seven times over the little boy that died? He prayed seven times. Why did Naaman dip himself in the Jordan River seven times? Why did Jesus pray in the garden, Father, remove this cup from me three times? 
See, it's not, you don't, you don't, you pray once and forget about it. No, God wants you to ask and seek and knock. And then he says in the seventh, eighth verse, he said, everyone, not somebody, not someone or a few, but everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who open, knocks, the door will be open. Vain repetition, a lot of people have taken a prayer, a model prayer that Jesus gave us and turned it into a meaningless repetition. And we got to break that. God wants your heart. He don't want to know how fast you can say it. Hey, when I used to do that before I was saved, I could get it in the Guinness Book of World Records for how fast I could say that prayer. It meant nothing to God, and it meant nothing to me. It was just, let's get this over with. Now, since you're walking with the Lord, it's a whole different atmosphere. It's a whole different world. God hears you the first time you pray. So you don't need meaningless repetition. You can use your heart. Prayers without heart are just foolish and they're empty. Quick prayers without thought are just meaningless. So you can continue to ask God and you can keep on seeking and you can keep on knocking. Verse 8, so do not be like them, for your father knows what your need is before you ask him. God knows. God loves you, church. He so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. All you got to do is believe in him, and you will not perish. You'll have eternal life. Listen, God loves you. He loves the world. He just doesn't love Israel or Egypt. He loves you individually. He cares for you. He provides for each of us every day. He knows each of our needs. He knows what my need is before I ask him. And Jesus said, pray then in this way. Okay, do not, number one note, do not use a vain repetition or a meaningless repetition. This prayer that everybody calls the Lord's Prayer is not the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer. You want the Lord's Prayer? Turn to John chapter 17. Read the whole chapter. And Jesus, you'll notice in the first five verses or so, he prays for himself. So it's okay to pray for yourself. And in the body of the, the John chapter 17, he prays for his disciples that are with him while he's on earth. And then the last part, he prays for the disciples who will be born in the future, and that's us. He prayed for us. That is the Lord's Prayer. This prayer that is about to be 